Good morning. Well, uh, with Mike on, uh, we uh, we get to um, as elders pick off some favorite verses. Uh, and he has to cover like all the verses between all the chapters going. We can just come in, pick off uh, awesome verses. And if you would turn to Romans eight. Uh, we're going to talk about Romans eight twenty eight, and uh, I'm going to read here a, a bunch. Uh, if you are weak of knee, you and or listen better from your chair. This is the context uh, we're going to read. We're going to start uh, at Romans eight fourteen, and we're going to read all the way through verse thirty eight. But if you will and want to enable, please stand with me. <clears throat> Romans 8:14 For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit." because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers." And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, your word is amazing and in this uh, part of scripture is is so amazing and it, and it's it just wroths with hope and future and um, help us to uh, understand it today in Jesus name amen all right well uh, this morning I'm going to be covering four main points so uh, you got to figure out if you can figure them out, <laughs> if you could follow. No, really, we'll, we'll try to keep you informed. Um, the first one is, um, it is the false reading of chapter 28. So that's, that's the first one. And, and uh, when we read the Bible, uh, we need to be careful uh, not just to read one verse. Um, uh, uh, there are some verses that stand alone that you read them. John 3.16 is one of those. You read John 3.16, uh, although you should read the context around it. It adds uh, uh, a lot to what John 3.16 is about. But you can get the meaning by reading John 3.16. Uh, the same with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jesus wept. You know, shortest verse in the Bible, you could read that, and it means Jesus cried, uh, and it means tears came out of his eyes, and that's what it means. You can't take that too far out of context, because Jesus cried, and, uh, but there are verses in the Bible that we want to be careful with, uh, and if you've ever had somebody say, no, that's not what I said, no, you said this, I heard you. No, that's not what I said. Uh, we kind of want to make sure we get that right with God. You know, if we're saying this is what God says, uh, let's be careful with God's word of just throwing it out there. And, uh, you know, for instance, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 says, your body is a temple. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Have you heard that? Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, your body's a temple. You're eating a Twinkie right now. Don't you know 
your body's a temple and you should exercise. Don't you know your body's a temple? Well, all those things I just said right there are not the meaning of that verse at all. You cannot interpret that verse that way. But, you know, we we grab these little ditty lines and we run with them. And uh, Romans 8.28 is one of those verses. And um, and usually we we hear the short reading of it um, or the short rendition of it, and it's something like, uh, "Those who love God, God works all things out to the good." You know, all things work out to the good to those who love God. It's usually how we hear it, and it kind of sounds like, um, you know, everything's going to work out, kind of a thing. Everything's going to work out. And that's not what that verse means at all. And uh, usually, though, we, we hear that, and it's something like, uh, you know, I was going to invest that money, and I didn't, and I missed out on that deal to invest, but God must have something better in store for me. Uh, or I lost my job, and it was a good job. Maybe God's going to give me a better job. You know, God works out all things to the good. And, uh, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me. Maybe God has a better babe for me, you know. And, uh, and, and this is kind of where we go, you know. My dog gets hit by a car. Maybe I'm getting a cat. It's for cat people, okay. Uh, my cat gets eaten by a coyote. Maybe I'm getting a puppy, you know. That's for dog people. Okay. So, uh, but that is not what it means. God works all things to the good does not mean I will get better circumstances in this life. And wrong people bend this verse to personal happiness worship. um, That everything works out for my good here and now and in this life. And uh, I, I mean... You imagine going in and throwing that partial verse to uh, go to Chalk Hospital, and uh, there's a couple, a Christian couple there, and uh, they have a five-year-old daughter who's dying of brain cancer, and she has a month to live, and all she wants to be is a ballerina. And we say, "Oh, all things work out to the good." What does that mean? Am I going to get a lifelong membership of? lobster dinners or I I mean what could replace that right what what can you say here this is not the meaning of this verse so that's point number one is is uh, is that it's not this life is not about the here and now and and proponents to the prosperity gospel grab this reading of the verse and they run you know we should be rich we should be happy we should be successful here now and um and uh, and we turn it into worshiping it all you got to do is grab that verse name it and claim it in your situation and your circumstances will turn out to the good now um doesn't god want to bless us though in this life doesn't he give us blessings i enjoy blessings of god Yes, he does. And, and that's two. There, there is uh, uh, the rules that are in play in this life. And, and I'd like to briefly, try to briefly cover 
uh, the rules that are in play in this life. But that's not what this verse means. It's like some sort of promise that God, things are going to turn out here and now. Okay? And here's, here's the rules that are in play in this life. It rains on the just and on the unjust, and you reap what you sow. And, and the, the, it rains on the just and the unjust just basically means there's blessings all around us on all sides. In fact, most things in life are good. And if you do this little homework project I have for you, and you just start off, go out and look for everything that's good. And, uh, you know, you go, oh, there's a bee. He makes honey, and uh, he, he, he gives us, uh, you know, rubs his legs off this plant to that plant. What is that called? Whatever that is, you know. And, uh, but he has a stinger. Oh, that's bad. I'll put that on the bad list. Stinger, ouch, okay? But um, go through and look at how wonderful things are and how blessed we are. And, um, and uh, but also, we live in a fallen world, and there's bad stuff. So if you go through and you figure out all the bad stuff you can think of, it, it, it'll be huge, the, good, the amount of good things. Um, uh, that you'll find. So, uh, and, and if, you know, you think about this, Solomon was, he had just tons of gold. Literally, he had tons of gold. And he could make blocks with it. He could do things. But we actually eat a lot better than he did. And, and that's basically because of shipping and refrigeration and things like that. But, you know, we can have a Canadian bacon and pineapple deep dish pizza I, I'm, I'm sure he hasn't had one of those um, you know maybe but uh, probably not not Canadian bacon anyways okay but uh, we, we have access to eat anything we ate uh, Mexican street tacos last night you know and those are awesome al pastor and all these different kinds of good things you can have on there or I like to go to Costco and you get for $1.37 a drink and a hot dog about this big and you put mustard all over it and you go over to the little cranker thing, crank out the onions, it's just like kind of fun. And, uh, uh, you know, we have so many blessings that, and most of them, we, we don't even think of them as blessings. Most people in life think of them as rights and expectations. I deserve a good life here and now. I deserve a, a steak at Sizzler. I want to enjoy that goodness, you know. And, uh, but uh, we have so many blessings. So that's your homework, okay. Uh, look at smells. Uh, uh, look at, you know, we have fast food, slow food, good food, hot food, every kind of thing we can imagine. Uh, we can go to Hawaii. We can walk in the Grand Canyon. You could sit and ride a sea-doo. Uh, we can play in the snow. Even hard work, we get benefits and, and joy and blessing out of hard work. Um, and, uh, and, and look at the amazingness of the universe and, and, uh, and, and on and on. But uh, there's nothing wrong with enjoying God's goodness, but we uh, should not worship it and require it and say, I got to have my life here be happy because the, the thing is, is uh, we live in a fallen world too. 
And every one of us has our own lot in life and, uh, and, and we all have bad things we have to deal with too. And the professionals that are uh, uh, policemen and fire and, and, and nurses and doctors, they see some of the worst in, in our life. And, um, uh, but, you know, imagine being a woman uh, growing up in Afghanistan or a German Jew in World War II uh, or having cerebral palsy or being a quadriplegic or being black in the 1700s. Uh, or if you Google this guy without limbs, uh, this Christian guy, and he has no arms or legs. And the guy is happy. He's, he's got the joy of Christ. You just, you feel terrible. You go, this guy, he can get around, he can swim. He doesn't have any arms or legs, and the guy's swimming. I, you have to check it out. It's crazy. But we all have a different lot in life. And, um, and, uh, and a lot of it, though, the bad stuff, is reap and sow. That's the other part. And reaping and sowing is if you go up to a pit bull and you grab it by the cheeks and you shake it and go, la, 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 you'll see what reap and sow is. Okay? No, really don't. Kids, I was just being facetious there. Don't do that. Um, because, you know, we do bad stuff. You know, ah, don't pay your taxes. You know, and, and, and we'll see what kind of uh, a lovely thing that turns out uh, uh, for not doing that. You know, uh, no, you know, reaping and sowing is, and, is we cause trouble. And, and there's a great verse that um, actually my wife sent that uh, to me that says, if I can find it here, um, Proverbs 19.3, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry with the Lord. And so a lot of the bad stuff we do to ourselves. And, um, and so that, that's what's in play. But uh, uh, actions have consequences. That's what reap and sow means. Divorce, broken promises, drug and alcohol abuse, jealousy, envy, hate, lust, lies, cheating, wreck, your lives and they wreck our circumstances in life. Um, but uh, we all have to deal with some level of bad stuff. Uh, and, um, but most things in life actually are good. And uh, there's, there's a lot of great stuff. So do the, your homework project there and, and uh, make a huge list. Um, but we do praise God from whom all blessings flow. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's Psalms 118.24. Um, nothing wrong with enjoying personal happiness, but let's not worship it. This life is not about this life here. This life is not the finish line. This life is not the prize. Uh, and we tend to make it uh, our personal happiness quest, though. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to think that Jesus heals all these people, you know, while he was on this earth. But they all died. The woman with the issue of blood, she died. Uh, all these guys that were paralyzed and, and didn't, they were blind. They died. 
Lazarus. He had to die again. I, I mean, he didn't know if he was coming or going. You know, it's like Moses. What, you again? What, what's going on here? You're back up here. Okay, yeah. Um, but that, this life is not the finish line. Jesus didn't come the first time to fix our here and now. He, come to did, he came to do something bigger than that for a future that's bigger than that. So uh, that's number two. Number three, we're going to look at the correct view of uh, verse 28. And, um, and actually, if you look back at Romans 8, 28, and, um, and, and if you read 29, and you look at the context that we read, that long reading, if we look at the context, it's real easy. The interpretation of Romans 8, 28 is, is, is really, first off, for those who, the, the for those who love, and for those who are called, in there twice, for those who that's who the good is for. The good is not about good circumstances. The, the good is for the who. Uh, and then um, we leave off the last part, called according to his purpose. God works out all things to the good, to those who are called according to his purpose. We leave that out because it's like, what does that mean? That just brings up questions. What's this purpose anyways? What's the purpose? Well, it's because the purpose is in verse 29. And the purpose says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. The, The purpose is to be conformed to the image of his son. So, the correct reading, if you want to just throw out a little ditty, you kind of got to take Romans 8 and 29, shove them together, and it, it should sound like this. For all those who love God, all things work together for good for the purpose of being conformed to the image of his son. That's what it means. Or you could say it like this. To those who love God, he's working all things to your good to become like Jesus. That, that's the meaning um, of Romans 8.28. And then you look at this. Um, if we look in the context of Romans 14 through 38, you look at all this. What does it mean? Conform to the image of his son. You get, we're sons. What? We're sons. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You will receive the spirit of adoption as sons, as fellow heirs with Christ. Uh, for, for I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worthy compared, verse 18, to the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Sounds like, like a curtain, and, and all the sons of God are behind it, and it's like, dun, 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 and open up the curtain. The revealing of the sons of God. <sighs> the creation is, you know, that's what it sounds like. Um, but, but really, it's, it's, it, furthermore, if you look at Revelations 21, 7 and 3, don't go there, but actually, go to Galatians 3, and I'll, I'll meet you there. Um, 
But listen to Revelations 21 as, uh, as you're going there. Verse 7 says, The one who conquers will have this heritage. This heritage. That's like family word. You know, this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. That's talking about us. In verse 3, it says this, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. You know, understanding what it means to become the son of God, a son of God, because if we get in front of God now, no man sees God and lives. That's not how it's going to be in the future. God himself will be with them as their gods. Let's look at Galatians 3, 26 and 28. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Neither male nor female. You see, that's why I, I would just, as a girl, you think, how come you won't say daughter? He says sons of God. Well, I'm a daughter of God. No, you're not a daughter of God. Ladies, you are sons of God. It says it right there. There's neither male nor female. You, you get, now, you'll be like a feminine version of a son of God. But to get our minds wrapped around what does it mean to be a son of God? If you looked at John 1.13, you can look at it later, that it's because we're born of God we become sons. Luke 20, 36, Jesus answers, no marriage in heaven. It's because you become like sons of God, like the angels. That's what Jesus says there. And, and then, you know, we have this revealing. We get our new bodies, this revealing in Romans 19 of the sons of God. And so becoming a son of God and guys it's not because you're a guy. You're a son of God. The reason why we're sons of God is we're born of God. And Jesus gets a bunch of little brothers. And some of them are kind of feminine. You know, because it does say in Revelations that there's from every tribe, every language, every uh, uh, people group, there's all these people groups in heaven. They get to retain their heritage in that thing but then we become all sons of God together so ladies you'll be women but you'll be sons of God I just we got to get our minds wrapped around that it's crazy but uh, but anywho uh, that's number three the correct view becoming like Jesus is what verse 28 is saying becoming more and more he's He's doing that, and sometimes in Hebrews it says he spanks us if we need to because he loves us as sons. And you're not becoming a son like Jesus. You're getting a spanking today. And that's not fun either sometimes. Uh, so God has a plan for your life. 
we're all sons of God and to conform us to his son. Uh, and um, I don't know if you've ever seen the end, the finish line of a marathon, but um, it, it's kind of interesting. A marathon's this race that you're really not racing against other people. Uh, now, there's a dozen or 20 or so that are like, I'm winning this race today, you know, and they're like in another league, you know. But really, you get all these thousands of people out, we're running a marathon, and some of them have wigs and different things, you know, and you just like, you're weird. But the goal to run a marathon and to win, it, it's, it's to, to cross the finish line. That's the goal of a marathon, to get there. You know, I'm running a marathon today. How fast are you going to do it? And I just want to get there, you know. And uh, that, and, and so when you see people coming to the finish line, they're just like, oh my gosh, I can see it. There it is, the finish line. That's how it feels to run a marathon. Is, and, and that's how the race is with Christians. That we're not, you know, arming some other Christian out. Oh, I won, I'm there first, you know push him to the ground, praise the Lord. You know, I made it, you know. No, we're, we're running this race, but we're running this race to win, to get there, to, to know what the finish line is. And, 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 it's, and the finish line is becoming like Christ and, and getting our new bodies. So as we approach death, you know, that's like I see the finish line. And then we, we break through death and it's like we're, we're cutting through the tape of the finish line. And then, and then as, you know, we're, we're still in the finish line because we haven't got our new bodies, but we get our new bodies. And it's like, yes, we're here. And then, you know, we're just like, we keep going through the finish line and it's like new heavens and a new earth. And then it keeps going and going. And it's like, where'd that guy go? You know, it's like, that's eternity. We have the finish line. It's just awesome. It's just one thing after another. New heavens, new earth, you know? And, uh, you know, that's what I would like to tell that couple in Chalk Hospital. I'd like to tell them that, you know? I'd like to explain that to them and say, that's hope. Little girl, you're probably going to do a ballerina in heaven. But the being a son of God is so much bigger than this life, what we have here. So much bigger. In, uh, in 320 AD, just the other day, uh, the, uh, it's actually quite a distance from when Christ uh, died, rose, ascended. Long time had gone by. Um, almost 300 years, longer than we've been a nation. That's where we find ourselves here, uh, 320 AD. The Roman Empire uh, was still clunking along. It was divided. Um, the east was kind of Armenia, was the lesser. And uh, this guy, Licinius, was the emperor. And uh, Constantine was the emperor of the west. It was divided. They kind of ran their own show. Constantine was a Christian. Licinius was... Uh, <clears throat> an anti-Christian. He hated Christians. He persecuted Christians and killed them. And there's this little town in the north 
called Sebaste, and uh, in which there was a troop of 40 soldiers, Roman soldiers, and these guys were noteworthy. They were renowned. And uh, they served under Marcus Aurelius, famous guy. You've seen movies about him. Uh, and uh, he, they were a part during that time. And, uh, but these, these 40 were Christians. They loved Jesus. And uh, they were men of valor and good standing in their community. And uh, Licinius demands this tribute to the Roman gods, the Roman gods, bunch of Roman gods. Uh, and it was a minor acknowledgement uh, to their being. And the governor of that region was to carry it out. Uh, but immediately, these 40 soldiers, upon hearing it, declared they would never agree to this, to the pain of death. <clears throat> and uh, the governor commissioned their general to shower them with promises of position and reward uh, if they turn in the simplest way and pay tribute to the Roman gods. Uh, you know, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And, um, and they outspokenly refused. They said something like, uh, you could never give us anything compared to what we would be deprived of. And, uh, of course, the governor was enraged at their refusal of his generosity. Uh, he threatened them many harms to them. Uh, but the men declared, you only have charge over our bodies. You cannot touch our souls. Uh, to this, the governor was enticed with motive and ordered minor inflictions. I, I don't know exactly what that would be, like Indian burns or Chinese water torture or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But uh, anyways, it proceeded to whippings and, uh, and gougings with hooks. They take these hooks and just drag them down their sides and, and you know, just a mess. But it didn't prevail. Uh, then the governor devised a most slow physical and mental torture sure to break them uh, it was in the middle of winter in Sebaste, and in the center of the town was a frozen lake, and a freezing north wind prevailed, uh, and the 40 men were to be forced to be stripped bare and to be placed on the middle of the frozen lake in a large copper bath to be brought and kept warm at the edge of the lake, and a large fire also to be kept at the edge so as if they would relent, uh, they could come and, and come to their senses and come and warm themselves. But at the presentation of this verdict, the 40 were heartened, not in fear, but they anticipated the amazing fact that they would be in heaven in one night. <clears throat> when they carried out the order, the 40 soldiers willingly removed their clothes and went to the center of the lake. And the other soldiers at the lake's edge jeered them, come warm yourselves in the bath or stand by the fire. Just conform a little. Pain turned to numbness. And in the middle of the night, some started to pass out and die of exposure. <clears throat> 
But one of the men, he either lost his resolve or lost his mind. Uh, no one really knows. Um, began running to the warm bath, but collapsed to his death before reaching it. The soldiers around the fire by the shore erupted into laughter, except for one. No one either knows if this man was a quiet believer or just got converted by the witness of these men. But he began to remove his clothes and he went out and joined the other 39 and silenced the other soldiers. And uh, he was probably the last to die. <clears throat> but uh, that's, uh, that's what it means to finish. You know, they just, they looked at death and, and I just long for that. I want to be able to finish well in this life and not get caught up into the, the mess and the muck or, or not knowing where's the finish line. I don't know. I'm just having a party and I'm not sure where I'm going in life. No, we need to keep our mind fastened on we're becoming like Christ. We're going to live for an eternity with him. Um, and, uh, and he has amazing uh, uh, things he's going to lavish on us in glory. And, uh, and, and, it, and it's better than being supermen. You know, you think, what's it like to be a son of God? You know, if you read the last part of Romans that we read there, that, uh, you know, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. And... Um, you know, kryptonite could separate Superman from his powers, but not powers, not height, not debt, not angels, not demons, not anything could separate us from the love of God. And, uh, and he loves us like a son because we're sons. Just amazing. Well, let's review the four points. Uh, number one, uh, we... Uh, uh, we can't accept Romans 28's false reading. It's not about this life. It's not about our situation here, our comfort here, our circumstances. Although God blesses us with so many blessings already, He does bless this life. Um, that's the second point. But there's also harsh things. Everyone has their own cross to bear, their own situation to bear. Um, and then uh, third, the correct view of, of uh, Romans 8.28 is becoming more and more like Jesus. Uh, we are sons of God. And, uh, and number four, this world is not the finish line. This life here is not the finish line. You get cancer, you know, maybe medicine will heal you, but you're going to die anyways. You're going to die I'm going to die. We're all going to die. This life is not the end. That, that's what I'd like to tell, you know, those who are wandering about in this life that um, it's more important to go to the next. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, um, you're amazing and um, you're so patient with us. And uh, you want to conform us to uh, your image and, and uh, help us get our mind wrapped around that. 
Help us to enjoy this life, but not love it, not worship it, not seek my comfort. Um, help us to look ahead and put our eyes fixed on you and, and the real finish line and all that you have plan, uh, planned for us for all of eternity. And uh, help us not to uh, live for the glitter of this world, but to keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name.